Thanks, Kirsty. Great. Well, good morning again. <laughs> and uh, this is just a great uh, opportunity back after Easter, and we're going to start a new series called Incomparable or Incomparable, depending on who you speak to. <laughs> there are various options. Um, and really, the, ob- the object of this series is to look at the big picture of God, who God is. Um, there's nothing like looking at God. <laughs> And focus on him and just fill our perspective with him through this series. And I get to launch the series today and I wanted to speak on I am the Lord who heals. I wanted to focus on this subject of God is the God who heals. And um, there's a number of reasons that I want to do that. First is this, that um, I know that God's called me to speak on this message You know, there's lots of things that we can say in life, but there's some things that we must say, and those are the things that God's called us to say. You can't say everything, so you've got to choose what you say, and I know that God's called me to speak on this message. The second reason is that we had Randy Clark Clark recently, and we just had a phenomenal time with him, and uh, amazing miracles, but I wanted to take some time to give a, a kind of theological underpinning to what we believe about our God who heals. And here's the question I've got for you. Have you ever wondered why chairs have four legs? Have you ever thought, I mean, I know it's profound for a Sunday morning. I know some of you are now deep in thought and I've lost you for the rest of the morning. Have you ever wondered why chairs have four legs? And you might say, well, Simon, they don't all have four legs. Some of them have three legs. Well, they do. But I still remember the day where I was enjoying worship at King's Arms many, many years ago. And during a very intense moment of drumming, the drummer disappeared. (laughs) He literally disappeared. He was there one moment and he was gone the next. And then sheepishly, we saw his head re-emerge, and he carried on trying to pick up the beat again. Why? Because he was sitting on a three-legged chair. (laughs) Three-legged chairs are bad news. They are not stable. Four-legged chairs are stable. That's why we have four-legged chairs. But who ever thought, why don't we have five-legged chairs? In fact, I actually looked on the internet. There are, in fact, ten-legged chairs out there. Why don't we have five-legged chairs? And the thing is this, my point is this, many Christians start their journey believing that God heals, and they go on this journey, but then they fall off. They fall off because they're sitting on a three-legged chair. The foundation that they're sitting on is not solid. And I've spoken to countless Christians and been one myself who start believing that God heals and praying for the sick, but have stopped sometimes a few years ago, sometimes many years ago, and are living in a place of disappointment and just the inability to function in this key and vital area. Because I tell you what, there is a world out there and a world in here that needs to meet the God who heals. And it needs to meet Christians who believe that he is the God who heals. And so I want to give you this morning a chair to sit on, a five-leg chair. A five-leg chair, a foundation for why... We believe in the God who heals and how to live out of that place. Why is it important? You might be, you might work in an office, you might work in a warehouse, you might work, you might be at school or college, you might be facing exams in just a few weeks' time. You might think, why is this subject important? Why is it critical that I get a a grasp of this? Surely this is just for the few keen ones over in the corner. Surely this is just for a few of those. This isn't surely for everyone. Well, the reality is this. The first thing is this. Jesus told us this was important. This is what it says in Luke 9. He sent them out to tell everyone about the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Jesus 
commanded us to heal the sick. And so firstly, this is a matter of obedience. If you are a believer in Jesus, a follower of him, he told you to do this stuff. He told you to have a framework for this stuff. And we are so fussed about being relevant today. We want to be relevant. We want to be relevant to the world around. And, and that's not a bad thing. Being relevant is important. But I tell you what, being obedient is a whole lot more important. Yeah, yeah. Being obedient is a whole lot more important than just simply being relevant. And God doesn't just want a relevant church today. He wants an obedient church. And he told us to teach people about the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. The second thing is this, compassion. Every Christian, unless they are dead on the inside, will at some point want to pray for the sick. Either because they're sick themselves or because a loved one or someone they meet is sick. If your heart is never moved by the sickness around you, I want to urge you, something must be wrong. Because compassion itself is the reason that we should want to know about this subject. And I've heard many people pray, and probably have prayed some of these prayers myself. God, please heal this person because they've really served you faithfully. God, please heal this person. If you do, I'll serve you faithfully for the rest of my life. God, please, and even worse, God, please heal this person and give me their sickness instead. And I've prayed for people who've prayed prayers like that. I urge you not to. In fact, I urge you not to pray any of those prayers because I'll tell you why. There is not one biblical promise that God will answer one of those prayers. The, The motivation for God to heal is not based on what we have done or what we will do in the future. It's on a completely different foundation. That is a three legged chair that will not stand up. We've got to sit on a five-legged chair, a strong foundation when we come to this subject. And the third reason is this, why this is important for each one of us is the glory of God. God's glory. God is glorified when the sick are healed and miracles happen. This is what it says in John 2. The miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. Notice, Jesus revealed his glory through the miracle, through the miraculous event. As we see miracles and signs and wonders and healing, God, our God, is glorified. Do you want God to be glorified? I want God to be glorified. And this is one of the major ways. You look through the Bible again and again. God is glorified as he breaks in. And it's not that we despise what doctors can do and we applaud and celebrate any type of healing. But we also particularly celebrate when God just does it. When he breaks into our world and does what only he can do. I love that because he is glorified. And it's not about us because we can't do any of this stuff, but he can. I was... um, in a recently, uh, just this, this week at a conference, our European Leaders Conference, where we were uh, connecting with, I think it was 31 different nations, churches across Europe. And there was a guy there from a majority Muslim nation, and uh, he was sharing his story. And actually, it wasn't his story. It was a story of a guy in his church. There was a guy in his church who, uh, whose son um, was in a, a road traffic accident and was paralysed. And he, he had th- his spine was broken in three places. And this guy was a Muslim. And so he, he, the doctors said there's nothing he could do for, they could do for him that he would likely be paralyzed for life. Um, and so he, this father took his son around all of the mosques in the area to ask the imams to pray. They prayed, nothing seemed to happen. And he was so desperate, even though he knew that he was risking everything, he took his son to the local church. Would you pray? And so the church gathered around his son. They prayed for him, and he was instantly and totally healed. Now, that would, have been a, that would have been a great story if it were not made better by this. The guy was there at the conference, and he said, and now 
this son who, is gonna, who has been healed is going to dance our national folklore dance in front of you. And so we watched this young man who had been healed from a, having his spine broken in three places do, I guess it was a cross between Morris dancing and some kind of rave dance. It was kind of somewhere in that, in that spectrum. Morris dancing on steroids, I guess you could call it. And he did the Morris dancing on steroids in his traditional outfit in front of all of us at the conference. I am the Lord who heals. So I want to give us a foundation. I do want to pray for the sick at the end of this meeting, but that is important. But more than that, I want to give us a foundation for life. I want to give you a foundation this morning that you can sit on and live on and not just see people, some people healed today, which I'd love to see, but more than that, see people healed for the rest of your Christian life. That, is that a big aim? Yeah. Let's do it. Right. Father, we just thank you for your word and we just say, Lord, let us hear it with faith this morning. Let us hear it with faith and expectation. And I pray that where we're sitting on uh, chairs with two or three or one leg or where we've even got off that chair and moved to something else, I pray, God, give us faith this morning. Let us sit on a solid foundation that we will see what you told us to see, to teach about the kingdom and to heal the sick wherever we go. Speak to us, speak to me, speak through through me in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Okay, five things. Firstly, this. Healing is in the character of God. In the Old Testament, the first half of the Bible, God introduces himself with several names. They're called his covenant names. And here's a few of them. Jehovah Shammah, the Lord who is there. He wanted his people to know, I'm not some distant being. I am the Lord who is right there. That's good news right there. Jehovah Roy, the Lord is my shepherd. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is my peace. And Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. God introduces himself as the God who heals. Exodus 15 says this, If you listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands, keep his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. It's it's part of his covenant identity. It's who he is. It's not just an add-on. It's not just something he likes to do. He is the Lord who heals. You know, if you meet someone... Who, and they introduce themselves and they say, you know, hi, what's your name, blah, blah, blah. And you say, well, what, what, what do you like? And they say, well, I like surfing or I like biking or I like, I like reading or I like painting. Then you know there's something that they like to do. But, but picture this, and, and Phil, I'm going to pick on you if you don't mind. I know we didn't prepare for this. This is completely unscripted. But this is Phil Wilthio, my good friend. And, and Phil, here he is. Now, I want you to imagine Phil at, at 15 years old, okay? <laughs> Phil, were you... Were you that, okay, no. <laughs> 15 years old, and, and Phil, one thing I know, we're, we're good friends, one thing I know about you is, is maths is not, it's not something you, you love, is it, really, is let's true. be honest. Yeah, so, true. Phil, I want you to close your eyes, and I want you to picture yourself right you're on the morning of your maths GCSE. <laughs> okay, and you've woken up, and you've realised you'd thought the GCSE was in two weeks' time, and you've not done any work to prepare for it. <laughs> And you've suddenly got that. Now, Phil, how, how do you feel? Petrified. <laughs> <laughs> Terrified. He's in an area that he's not comfortable with, and he's woken up to face this. Now, imagine you, you're on your way to school, and a guy meets you, and he says, Phil, I am the man who's going to deliver you an A star in your GCSE <laughs> in maths. <laughs> 
Yes. Nice to meet yes, you. Nice, nice to meet, meet you. you. How are you feeling now? I'm feeling quite elated. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was ama- unscripted. That was amazing, wasn't it? I was like... This is what we have to understand about God. He walks into our world and he says, I am the Lord who heals you. It's not just something, he's not just like, I'm into surfing, I'm into painting. He's saying, I am the one who has come to you to heal. That is his covenant name. It's his disclosure of himself. It indicates that it flows out from the very nature of God. Healing flows from him. He can't help himself but heal. He is the one who heals. And I used to approach God like I was trying to prize healing out of him like an iPad from a schoolboy. And, <laughs> and I used to pray like that, like I was coming to him with a, 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 this reluctant being. And if I could just say the right prayers in just the right order, then he would somehow, you know, put the coins in the slot machine just the right quantity, then he would somehow deliver. And I've realized it's totally the wrong approach. That's not the approach of faith. That's not a foundation that will, will stand. Here's a little section from my journal written down after one of our meetings. Just as the, the journal entry was like two and a half pages long after a section of meetings, and this is just one paragraph. One lady had not been able to grip with her hand and managed to do so pain-free for the first time in a year. Another young man had back pain due to some dish damage and bent to touch his toes for the first time in four years. Two days later, he was completely pain-free. Two people with jaw pain received healing, and the look on their faces as they found they were pain-free was priceless. These things begin to happen as we change our perspective and realize we're not prizing healing out of God's reluctant hands. He is the Lord who, hands up, he, who heals. That's the first leg of our chair. The second is this, the promises of God. Psalm 103 would be the most classic example. Bless the Lord, O my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul. Forget not his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. You know, I've used this example before, but it's the strongest one I know. Sometimes my kids ask, ask me for things and I say no. And sometimes I say yes. I try to be a good dad. I believe in the principle of let your yes be yes as much as you can. So I try and say yes as much as I can. Sometimes I say no. But sometimes I say no. And I'll be in the kitchen and I'll be standing there. Perhaps Caroline's cooking dinner and I'm standing there and my child has asked me for something and I've said no. And then they utter the most powerful words in their arsenal. Dad, you said we could have ice cream before dinner. Dad, you said, and there I am. I can feel Caroline over the dinner, (laughs) tensing. (laughs) I can see my child justified. (laughs) I can see them there, and I am caught by my own words. I won't tell you how that scenario plays out, but you get the point. You get the point. The most powerful words in our prayer vocabulary are, Father, you said. And there's two ways to pray this. There's, Dad, you said. There's the militant. There's the angry. You said that you'd do this, and I'm sick, and you said that you'd do this. But there's the soft, and there's the humble. Dad, you said. This is your word. You said. I would urge us, this comes from a spirit of orphanness. I would urge us towards the spirit of sonship. Dad, you said. This is your word. 
You said, I, when I was sick a few years ago, th three months or so, actually longer than that, but uh, intensely for three months, no knowledge, the doctors couldn't work out what, what um, was wrong with me. I was again and again back to this place. Dad, you said, and I trust you whatever happens, but you said you heal all their diseases. I'm coming to you with your word. And Jesus said similar words to this. He said, if you, being reluctant, evil fathers, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father, how much more will your father? He's comparing the two. He's contrasting the two. Dad, you said, is a solid foundation on which to come and believe in healing. And, and you know, Sometimes we, I've, seen, I've known people who have been healed simply through the words of the Bible, simply through relaying back to God. Who, who here, actually, I'm interested, who here has been healed? No one's prayed for you. It's simply been as you've prayed the words of Scripture. Just raise your hand, hand up. One, two, three. I'd love to, if you could email me your stories, I'd love to read those because I think we need to see more of that. Simply coming back to God's word and believing it is a solid foundation. The third is this, the model of Jesus. What about Jesus? Hebrews 1 says about Jesus, it says he is the exact representation of the Father. He, he is the radiance of the Father. And, and you know, when you come to Jesus, imagine you're talking to someone about one of their friends, one of their closest friends, and they will get to give you a description of that person. That's exactly what we get in the New Testament because we hear Peter describe Jesus. Peter walked with Jesus for three years. He was one of his closest friends. And in Acts 10, 38, he says this, you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. <laughs> When Peter's asked for a snapshot of Jesus, that's what comes out of him. That's what he saw. That's what he walked around with. That's what he witnessed day in, day out. He went around doing good and healing all who are oppressed by the devil. Two things that we can learn from that. First is this, sickness is not a good thing. Sickness comes from the enemy. Sickness is a result of a broken and fallen world. God created a world that was good with no sickness, and he is recreating a world that is good with no sickness. We live in this in-between nasty bit where sickness runs riot, death runs riot on the world. But God didn't start it like that, and he's not going to end it like that. We're in this middle part. And Are you saying, Simon, that God can't use my sickness for good? I'm not saying that. He can do, he can use anything for good. But the reality is the source of sickness is not in God himself. It is not in him. It's not his natural nature. We've already seen that. It's not what he does. It's not his stuff. And yes, he can use it for good. And he does use it. He can use anything for good. But fundamentally, Jesus, we've got to come back to this verse. Jesus Christ went around doing good and healing all who are oppressed by whom? The devil. It's a work of the enemy. It's, it doesn't mean to say if you're sick that you've sinned or that the devil directly is oppressing you. Oh, no, I went home. Simon told me the devil's in my house. No, it doesn't mean that. What it means is that we're under a fallen, broken system where the devil runs right and does destruction through his spiritual power and that the Lord is calling us forward. And Jesus went around and undid that mess, one life at a time. And the second thing we can learn from that is Jesus brings the atmosphere of healing with him. He went around doing good. Wherever he went, sick people didn't stay around because they got healed. They got transformed. Jesus went around doing good and healing all who are oppressed by the devil, because God was with him. And it gives us a model also for our own lives, doesn't it? 
we go around like Jesus. If the word Christian literally means little Christ. If we go around like Jesus, doing good and healing all who are oppressed of the devil, wherever we find them, we will not go far wrong. Because that's what Jesus modeled. He is not only the representation of the Father, he is the, the, the template for who we are meant to be. We are made in the image of Christ. So if he's the representation of the Father and this is what he modeled, then this is what he is calling us to do. You know, Mark Marks, our good friend from Colray, many of you have met him. He was also at this conference, and he told me a brilliant story. He said there was a, a, a couple, they were on holiday in Colrain. They'd come from a different place in Ireland, 120 miles away. And um, they saw the Healing on the Streets uh, banner and the chairs that they put out. They pray for people every Saturday morning, have done for 12 years. And they saw them as they were walking through Colrain on holiday. And the wife is in a wheelchair, had been for a numbers of years. And they thought, well, what, what can it hurt? You know, there's no other... There's no other way out of this. What can it hurt? So they wheeled the, the lady, the husband wheeled the lady up next to the chairs. Um, the team prayed for her. They loved on her. But to be honest, there was no real change on the outside. She went away encouraged, felt loved. And, and that's our aim, actually. We can't guarantee that people feel, get healed, but we can guarantee that we love them. <laughs> and so she went away encouraged. She felt loved. She felt, she felt that you know, people had taken the time to pray for her. They prayed for her for a long time get back, back in the car, head back home from their holiday. Halfway back, she says to her husband, stop, stop the car, something is happening. Stop the car, something's happening. It is pouring with rain. She takes off her seatbelt, gets herself out of the car and runs around the car. <laughs> and then she runs up and down the road, shouting and, and celebrating wow. what God has done. Wow. She came, went on hold in a wheelchair. She came back completely able to wow. walk. And he had numbers and sto- of stories like that. This is the model of Jesus. Our mandate is to heal the sick. And, and the gospel is not just about a, a forgiveness of sins. The gospel is Jesus' mandate on us to see f- sins forgiven, but also sick bodies healed. It's central to God's uh, mandate to us. And, and you know... I, that's, that's where I come back to, is Jesus commanded us. He not only modeled it, he commanded us to do this stuff. And, and, I, and it, there is mystery in here, but I keep coming back to the same place, which is this. Jesus said, teach the kingdom and heal the sick. And I've had bizarre experiences. I was on a ministry trip one time and massively struggling to sleep, which I often do when I travel and sometimes at home as well, and massively battling with insomnia. And I had a word of knowledge for sleeplessness. And I was like, oh, yeah, maybe it's for lay hands on myself, you know. Anyway, I brought this word of knowledge and six people stood up, five of whom were on the end of one row all behind each other. I mean, you knew it was God because who could arrange the room like that? You know, all the people who can't sleep sit together. You know, they were all, they were all five of them in a row and there was one other in other place. Anyway, we prayed for them. The next day they all came back. Yeah, I've slept like I've never... Five out of the six said I've slept like I've never slept in years. And yet here I am. And I still battle with insomnia occasionally. and still battle with it as, a, a, as an ongoing thing. And the Lord, the Lord speaks to me again and again through this. Is I don't get it and I don't understand it, but I have to be obedient. Yeah. He is the Lord who heals. And he wants me to do his stuff and to go and do his stuff wherever I go. Fourth thing is this, the cross of Jesus. Isaiah 53, he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, as one whom men hide their faces. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. 
Notice that line, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our, our sorrows. I believe that is a poor translation. It's a poor translation because um, even though many of the translations translate it that way, I believe it's a poor translation because Matthew, who refers to that passage later, says to us that it's a poor translation because this is what he says. In Matthew 8, that evening they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons. He cast out the spirits with a word and he healed all who were sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. I believe the, the New Testament apostles are the best translators of scripture. And if Matthew tells us that Isaiah was talking about sickness and disease, then that's what Isaiah was talking about. And it doesn't matter what we think it ought to mean. It's what God says that it means. The fact is Christ came to die and through his death he dealt a massive fatal blow to sickness and disease. And we believe and preach that. And, and you know, others don't believe that healing is in the cross in the same way and I respect them for it. But I am fundamentally and utterly convinced that when Jesus Christ died on the cross he did it not only for our sin and our, and, and our forgiveness, he also did it for our sickness and for our healing. <laughs> that both were in the, in the atonement, both were in there. It doesn't mean to say that we'll see everyone healed, but what it means is that the foundational work has been done. I believe we'll be healed for all eternity because of why? Because God just fancied it? No, because of the cross. Because Christ paid the price for it on the cross. We can live as a result and the fruit of what he has done on the cross. You know, our teams were out on the streets on Friday and, and Steve was just telling us there's a, a person there had a long-term bone condition as they prayed. The, the pain just left their hands. They were pain-free in their hands um, for the first time. Someone else with sciatic pain wanted to run up and down the street because the pain was gone. Jesus went to the cross for our forgiveness, yes, but also for our healing. Peter said this, by his stripes we are healed. And the fifth foundation is this. The direction of an ever-increasing kingdom. Jesus told us both that the kingdom of God has arrived. He said the kingdom has arrived and he said healings with it. Heal the sick and and those who are there and tell them the kingdom of God is near you. He told us that one day we will see the kingdom in all its fullness. Revelation 21. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Guess what? Sickness loses. Cancer loses. Death loses. Pain loses. We've seen the end of the story and the end of the story is there's no more sickness or disease on this planet. That's the end result. And we've seen that the kingdom has arrived but Jesus also told us this is advancing. Matthew 13 The kingdom of heaven is like the yeast a woman used in making bread even though she put only a little yeast in, in the measures of flour, it permeated every part of the dough. He gave us our job. He gave us our job description, which is this, to pray, your kingdom come, your will it be done. We're not called to be passive on this, just to think, oh, well, the kingdom is advancing. It will rock up sooner or later. You know, I'll just wait here and watch Netflix while it does. No, he's not calling us to be passive. It says the kingdom is advancing and forceful men and women lay hold of it. They grab hold of it. And we're to pray with a militancy. We're not to stand in the face of sickness and destruction that ruins people's lives and just think, oh, well, sorry for them that's a shame isn't it well one day they'll be healed in in eternity no we're to be militant about it and say no in the name of Jesus respectfully and lovingly and kindly not shoving it down people's throats we are to be those who stand with hope and stand believing that God is bringing his kingdom and that his kingdom is advancing 
and that as it does, sick bodies get healed. And we don't see them all healed, but the more we go after it, the more we see. And one day we will see sickness consumed with the resurrection life of Jesus forever. And we stand in the gap for that. And, and the early church lived in this place. You know, you read in the scriptures, Paul, it says, he says, I left my co-worker Trophimus sick on Miletus. And many in the church get their theology from that. They think, well, Paul didn't see everyone healed, so therefore, you know, what's the point? But a few years later, Paul is shipwrecked on uh, uh, Malta, and it says they brought every person on the island to him, and he healed them all. <laughs> and some in the church get their theology from that. They think, right, therefore we should see everyone healed. I want to urge us that there is this middle place where we are seeing the kingdom advance. We are not distraught. We're not destroyed when we don't see healing. We learn to persevere with God. But equally, we don't have an unrealistic expectation. We live in the gap, expecting the advance of the kingdom. And we've seen over the years as we've postured ourselves in that place, we've seen the kingdom advance. And things that we never thought we would see years ago, we have seen. We have seen people with partially blind see. We have seen partially deaf people hear. We've seen cancer disappear. We've seen people who are riddled with pain, pain-free. We have seen so much. There was a moment 12 years ago when we were in a rented school hall and I said, guys, there's three options. We can, you know, we're, we're here, we don't pray for anyone, we don't expect anything, this is where we are. There's this place here which is heaven and we'll be healed for all eternity. And we can either stay here because it's safe, because we don't get disappointed, and, and if we don't pray for anything then we don't get disappointed when it doesn't happen, or we can move to here, which is where... We pray and we expect because God said he's our healer, because God promises that he loves to heal, because Jesus modelled it and commanded us to do it. We can move to here and it's going to be painful. There's going to be disappointment because we're expecting stuff. But I tell you what, I've decided I'm going to live my life here. I'm going to live my life here because this is the New Testament model. This is where Paul lived. He says, I left my co-worker Trophimus sick, but it doesn't mean that when he got to Malta and they brought the sick, he said, well, you know what? I can't help because of Trophimus, you know? I can't, you know, I left him sick, and if I couldn't help him, I can't help. He somehow lived in this divine tension of expecting more whilst also not being dis- disappointed and broken over what happened in the past. And I want to urge you, this is where we're called to live. I still, 12 years on, I'm still in the same place. Still believing God for more, still seeing more. And we see things now, you know, our kids see things now, which I didn't see as, you know, when we started. Our kids expect to see more. Why? Because we've been in this place for a while. We've lived in this place, refusing to get disappointment into our hearts, refusing to get off the stool, refusing to say, we are, we are sitting on a foundation that says, I am the Lord who heals. I am the Lord who heals. I am the Lord who heals. Expecting more as we go. So what's it for you? Are you content to stay where you are? Or is there a fresh adventure? Is there more expectation? Is there something that the Lord has put on your heart to take the next step, to believe him? What's he saying to you? How do you move from here? The areas where you feel like, you know what, I have backed off. I have stopped. Or are you moving onto a solid foundation? 
Have you heard the words of the scripture and decided, I believe it, I'm going to do it. I believe it, I'm going to do it. Just take a moment, just close your eyes. Just take a moment before the Lord. Some of you just got caught up with the disappointment of what you've not seen. You're, you're just like those believers who are on a three-legged stool. You fell off. Are you willing to get back on? Onto a firm foundation? To expect to enter that place of risk again, of hope again, to learn. Okay, Father, what is it? Dad, you said, I'm not seeing it. There must be something. There must be something. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, right across the room. I pray, God, that you would make us a community that live in this place of expectancy, of the increasing, advancing kingdom. Come, Spirit of God. If you felt like that picture applies to you, feel like you know, I feel like I did. I actually let's let's all stand together. Let's stand together. If you feel like that was me, you know, I fell off the stool. <laughs> I know internally I've really backed off of this. Why don't you just raise a hand wherever you are? If you feel like you've let disappointment rob you of expectation. Just raise a hand wherever you are. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I just want you to put your hands out in front of you if that's you. Just receive from God. I felt like God wants to deposit a fresh gift of faith this morning fresh expectation in your spirit some of you just got to give that disappointment over to him and say God I'm moving back to the place of obedience I don't get it, I don't understand it but I'm believing for an advancing kingdom I refuse to back down I refuse to get off the stool I refuse to back this is what I'm called, this is my mandate this is what I'm called to this is part of what I want the community of the church to look like. I don't want to just leave it to a few others. I want to live with an expectancy. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. We just break that disappointment off you now and that lack of expectation. We say, God, deposit a gift of faith right across the room in Jesus' name. Deposit a gift of faith right across the room. He is the Lord who heals. He is the Lord who heals. I am the Lord who heals. 
Let it go deep into our spirits so that we can all together move forward in this. Not just a few keenies at the front or at the side or on the ministry team, but as a community. Lord, we want to be an island, a place where you find faith on the earth, where you find expectancy on the earth. Come, Spirit of God. Come, Spirit of God. Thank you, Father.